The world we know is a collection of stories, tales, and legends, either real or imagined. All need to be told. There is a place to tell them. So if you want to go there, just click your heels and come join us. The Wizards of Odd. At 17 and a half thousand feet, Everest Base Camp is a ragged collection of tents on a moon-like sea of boulders. Near here is where Shipton took his remarkable photograph. The image that started the West's obsession with the Yeti. Good morning, Don. How are you? I'm very good. How are you, Mr. Teddy? Good. You know, I usually <laughs> say... Mr. Teddy. Mr. Teddy. Like I'm a laundry man. <laughs> I know, right? I have no starch in those shows. Okay. I, I usually say good evening, because uh, I figured that's when the podcast is coming out. But, hey, I'm going to uh, lift that veil. Uh, this is a Saturday morning. We are <laughs> recording our episode on the Yeti. Don, that clip was courtesy yeah. of... Evidence of the Yeti from National Geographic on YouTube. National Geographic. How are you today? I'm all right. I'm all right. I have to get used to this uh, sunlight uh, working thing, but uh, I'll be all right. Don's mad at me. I forgot the bagels this morning. I wasn't mad. I was disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what my dad used to say. I'm not mad. I'm I'm disappointed. disappointed. (laughs) They used to make it worse. Which meant like, now I really feel bad. Believe me, as a fat guy, I was disappointed I didn't have the bagels either. (laughs) All right, all right. Don't pick on yourself. We don't have time for that. Uh, before we get started, um, if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Um, we always appreciate someone leaving a like, uh, rating us, and, and subscribing. That's the best way we can grow as a podcast. If you are new to the show, if someone just said, hey, you should listen to those guys, thank you so much for joining us and uh, seeing what we're all about. If you like the show, tell a friend, just as someone told you. And if you are inclined to support the show, in the show notes, you can click on the support tab. That'll give you a link, and you can support us. But the best way you can support us is by sharing our information to people, telling us, go to any podcast platform and look for the Wizards of Odd. I say this all the time, not the (laughs) Wizard of Odds, because then you're going to get some cheesy guy from 15 years ago telling you, yeah, so when you want to play craps, here's what you do. <laughs> you got to throw the dice. You throw the dice. Don't eat the dice. Throw the throw dice. Throw the dice. Exactly. So if you can uh, if you can get that information out right, that would be great. Go to our website. Uh, send us an email, wizardsoddpodcast at gmail.com. But for right now, we are ready to begin our episode. I hope you enjoyed the Gollum episode last week. Mm. We enjoyed doing that. Yeah, it was a lot more fun than I thought. That was a lot of fun. Because once again, it was an odd uh, story with a lot of side stories. You got to pick through it. There's different versions of a lot of that stuff. And in this story today, the same thing. People always say it's amazing how we go from one topic to another. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we used to call it where we, uh, what did we say? we um, Stream of consciousness. It, yeah, but we I think we called it something that we divert or whatever. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, I know what you mean. We kind of get 
yeah, we kind of get distracted and go off on a different thing. But you know what? I don't think it is a distraction, Don. No, I think it's, it's conversationally. Just that, if it, but if you listen to it, I go back and listen to the shows thinking that. I'm going, how do we end up talking about the Gollum and then we're talking about space travel? Right. But somehow, because the connective thing there was Frankenstein. Yes. Which yes. connected to the Gollum. And then that whole thing about science and technology yep. and how things connect led to that. <laughs> I have to explain the previous show. <laughs> It's like I'm an interpreter. Yeah. Well, what he means is this. It's like when you watch a, a movie or a TV show that you don't understand, and then you go to the uh, you go to YouTube and you put in what did that ending really mean, and then oh, they explain. Yeah. Well, some well, people say try this. watching try watching Scottish sitcoms with my wife who needs subtitles. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Pinky uh, Blinders. Sing your hope, sing your hope. Oh, Pinky Blinders. I needed that subtitles. Is thick. Well, because that's a combination. Because those are basically. Irish uh, travelers, the Pikes kind of uh, yeah. they used to call them, and uh, they're like gypsies over there. It's a bad connotation now, but I mean that's what they were called, and uh, you know, and they have a that's a variety of thick accents, Irish and Cockney and everything else. Yeah, put together. and plus the slang is brutal. Well, it was like watching. Um, I forget what movie it was. That um, is it. Brad Pitt was in it where he was uh, <laughs> a Pikey. Snatch. Oh, snatch! Well, yeah. he, he they made that accent up. He just did that, <laughs> and, they, and even the people with him didn't know what the hell he was saying. Because I couldn't yeah, understand the word he said. Hey, man, caravan! Yeah, you like dogs? <laughs> you like dogs? He was very good in that. I thought that was a good movie. Snatch. He was good. Um, there are so many topics like that dogs. we have on the agenda that are ones that everyone knows about, and we just haven't gotten to because we kind of. It's almost like when you're doing comedy. You have yeah. bits that people like to hear, right. but you're bored with them. And some of these topics, it's not so much that we're bored with them, but we've heard them so many times. <laughs> we're finally just getting around to them, and we're trying to uh, like sprinkle them in. Like when we did the thing on the triangles. Listen, me and Don knew about the triangles. Mm. So we're like, uh, really? Do we? Well, yeah, it's, sometimes it's about how are you going to package it, too. It, it may be yeah. a, a subject that people are interested in and everything, but how do you present it? In an interesting way, that still is informative. Yeah, especially something that may be half myth. Who was the guy on the Eagles that sang "Take It to the Limit"? Oh, was it Bernie Ledin? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so he said one night that he goes, "I'm not singing it tonight," and they said, "No, you're singing it." And he says, "No, I'm sick of singing it." And they said that Glenn Fry actually put him up against the wall and said, "You think I want to sing "Take It Easy" every show?" <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Don Henley was very happy. <laughs> You know, so, when I, wait, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Go no, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, one of my favorite Don Henley songs, it, start, it starts out, the first line is, I woke up this morning with an attitude. I'm like, no kidding, Don. Every, 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 every day. Every, every song you have is like that. I'm not, I like the, I really like the Eagles. I'm not a big Don Henley guy. I know. I have said that. I like him. I, you know? I, I, I'm not sure I would like him in person, but he's an interesting guy. His music is very good. His music is harder no than the, the rest of the Eagles. Yes, but. no doubt it is. But, I mean, even the story of Glenn Fry's son who played with the Eagles yeah. and then he left, and to his credit, he didn't, he didn't trash anybody, but the word around was Don Henley was like, Listen, yeah, I know he sounds like his father. I know he plays guitar as well mm-hmm. as his father mm-hmm. did, and people love him. I'm not paying him as much as we get paid. Right. And then, you and then the he time just in. said, I'm out. Yeah, and somehow, yeah, yeah. They're, well, they're an interesting conglomeration of people. I remember the story about uh, Joe Walsh, mm-hmm. great guitar player. 
he heard the song. He heard the song in the eighties. He's going. He was complaining. He goes, hey, somebody's copying my licks, man. That's, he's playing my licks. Who is this guy? I got to find out who it is. And he goes around. He's asking around, and he can't figure out. Who, yeah, the guy sounds just like me. He's stealing my. So somebody told him, "Yeah, you played on that." <laughs> That was like Richard Marks or some some say. Yeah, told goes, Oh, is that kid, that, that that kid Glenn was producing? Oh yeah, <laughs> he was really ready to give himself a lot of crap. Well, he also had the. Quote, He's a funny guy. When the Eagles kind of broke up, and they said to him, "How do you feel about the breakup of the Eagles?" He goes, "Well, I'm still an Eagle, so if they've <laughs> left, they can come back." That's He's, funny. Well, and uh, and, I, and oh, go ahead. What's funny about that is I just got a um, a text alert on my phone the other day that the Eagles are going to be a Prudential Center in Newark. Oh, yeah. And I said, you know, I don't really want to see them because without Glenn Fry there, it's different for me. But I said, you know, maybe my wife would enjoy it. The cheapest ticket, decent ticket, was $299. I'm not spending that to see an Eagles band without Glenn Fry. Well, that's like that's like last year. Some months ago, they were talking about uh, Springsteen playing somewhere, and some people are going to pay like $5,000 a ticket. I'm like, right. no way. I, I mean, no, I used to see not him. a chance. I first saw him in 1974 at American University in, in Washington. He just came out. I didn't know who he was. It was the right. best show I ever saw. Yep. I mean, why, but I've seen him a dozen times since then, but why would I want to go see him and pay $5,000? Yeah, and be lectured to. Yeah. I, but, I didn't even like him explaining his songs on the... I watched his one-man show. Oh no, I didn't say that. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, you know I, I didn't really work for a living. You know, I never had a job. You know, this isn't really true. And blah blah blah. Then he's like, "There was no Jersey Shore before me. I created the that, oh. that." But then I'm thinking, "Oh, you're telling me those songs aren't? You're not really the person in those songs." Next thing you're going to tell me, Eric Clapton isn't a black blues player, right? Of oh. course we know. But I, why are you ruining these songs? Are an illusion for people to enjoy out of their put it to their life yes and these are working people working kids a lot of his audiences stuff grew up with him and now he's telling them it was all crap we did it again don i know you started i started <laughs> i'm going with it. i'm a counterpuncher all I'm right so going. listen tonight and now to our do i have to play that clip from national <laughs> geographic again and now back to our previous program folks tonight, sorry for that music alert tonight we are going to talk about something that i'm sure that <laughs> Everybody has heard of the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. No, no, okay. uh, he has been immortalized in the children's cartoon Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, as he's called the Abominable. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Yeti. No, not you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Tom, yeah, Tom. For those for those people listening who maybe say. What the hell is a yeti? What is a yeti? Uh, it's kind of a kind of a heck Bigfoot. No, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's one of the original legends of a Bigfoot-like creature that lives up in the uh, the high mountain areas, uh, the Himalayas. And the Himalayas are basically formed by continents crashing together. Mm-hmm. And they say they said Mount Everest grows a little bit every year, maybe a quarter of an inch because of that. But uh, the the yeti's been spotted up there. The Sherpa and the people that live up there believe in them. Uh, he, he's been represented in Tibetan and other Buddhist uh, texts for years. They show him he's kind of a mystical animal, much like uh, Native Americans here feel about Sasquatch. He's kind of a half-person, spiritual kind of thing. You know, they feel like he's – I think they feel like he's the connection to uh, nature. You know okay. what I mean? He's like a natural bridge between bipeds, you know, to nature. Would you say almost like an elemental? In some ways, people might think that because of the way he comes and goes, mm-hmm. you know, in some places. You see footprints, and then they just end. 
Yeah. And then they'll track them backwards and they just don't begin at a certain spot. <laughs> like, how'd that happen? That is weird that that happens. And that, again, those same stories about the footprints ending and stuff are mm-hmm. the same stories we hear about Bigfoot in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's trickier because they're in snow and snow can, yeah. uh, you know, cover over like yeah, it can over. it can make a different change. It you know sometimes you have bears. Bear they have a lot of bears up there mm-hmm. in the, the Nepal. We're talking about Nepal, Bhutan. Yeah. You know, uh, not the Bhutan you're thinking of, and uh, <laughs> Tibet. Yeah, I know <laughs> Tibet, and uh, <laughs> so they uh, they have these things wander around up there, and they, they live up there, and they go along with them. They just figure they're there. Occasionally, they say they see them. Yeah, and some of the Sherpa stories, some some of these families of some of those outlying regions claim. That some of them are like half Yeti there, that Yeti and some families mixed. I don't know really? what that means at all. I have heard, well, first off, they have to be pretty big because I've also oh. heard that a lot of the people who live up in that region say that when they're, you know, they have instead of cows and, yeah. and horses, they have yaks. They have yaks. And these things actually can lift a yak and kill a yak and then bring it to yeah. wherever they got to bring it to. They claim, the story actually is they kill the yak with one blow. Right. Like just like and a punch. Poof. And then again, you have Sasquatch here carrying elk away. That is true. I mean, so uh, you have two different continents and people just happen to have the same story, just a different version. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of memory. They, they supposedly go from like, they've seen it from like five and a half feet to like seven and a half, eight feet, which is basically. But pretty broad. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. huge. They're, they're uh, reddish. They're either uh, gray, red, dark grayish brown or reddish brown. Uh, they have certain types that are larger than the others. They generally have the same, same, same impression. Pointed head, sagittal crest. Right. Less hair on the face. They have white or dark skin if you see their face. Flat nose, wide mouth with large teeth, large hands with long fingers. Mm-hmm. The arms hang to the knees. They have bow legs. The feet are plantigrades. So they don't have an arch. And there's no tail. So that sounds just like Bigfoot. That sounds like Bigfoot. I mean, you can't, I mean, people say, well, it's the Yeti, I don't believe in that, but I believe in Sasquatch. But you can't talk about one and not see the connection possibly to the other. Because here's the other, to me, a connection. A lot of people are under the misconception that all of those Yeti are white. They're yeah, not that's really not true. They're though. not white. That, that's because they, people had an image of them in, in the frost, yeah. hiding in the snow and being white. But they're not. They're, but they're, they're actually like brown or reddish yeah, brown. Yeah, because they spend most of their time, like most of these creatures supposedly, according to the stories, in that uh, that region between, like the slopes and the down slopes, and the upper regions of these mountains, they have that alpinic region of mm-hmm. trees and everything, a forest, and that's kind of where they live because they hunt in there. They're apparently they're omnivores; they eat a lot of uh, you know plants and stuff, but they mm-hmm. also eat small animals and things. And I guess the occasional yak from the they story. They They've love had stories. Yak. They have stories where people have annoyed them, and they've come out and just killed their yak and left. You know, just leave them. There. Oh, really? <laughs> They're trying to cut down on the yak. It's I mean, these are the stories, folks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so it's mostly found in the Himalayas, the Bhutan region, yeah, mostly Nepal. Nepal. It seems mostly Nepal, you know, because Nepal is Nepal's way up there, but also and Bhutan, but also you have uh, Tibet is is up on the higher plateau. It's actually above that, right? You know, which is one of the reasons why the Chinese wanted the high ground there, but. You know, I don't even get into that story. Yeah, that's Chinese that'll really that put, we'll that'll get me going. And, yeah, because I got connections <laughs> to that, and I don't want to get into that. So, all right, so we know that it's essentially the size of a Sasquatch that we've got here. Yeah, reddish brown hair mostly, which is what Sasquatch kind of is here. Although some stories of Sasquatch have like black 
hair. Yeah, some are darker than others, you know. The head design is pretty much the same. They're broad. They're, you know, they the way they walk. Um, so yeah. to me, it seems like they are a distant relative of the Bigfoot or, or a direct relative or of the Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't know. They could be an older. Yeah, see, now we get off into the speculation. You don't know because there's so much. Uh, pseudoscience, uh, bear science, and, uh, you know. Well, you mentioned before myth. before we started the show how some people believe or some scientists believe that there's a chance that they, what did they walk across the, um, well, yeah, that's, like, a, that's, always, that's how yeah, they get back. That's always been the, the story with the, uh, the Bering Straits there once was a land bridge. Yes. Between Russia and Alaska. And uh, a lot of people feel some... Creatures and things crossed over while it was still a land bridge, uh, mostly Native Americans. They feel mm-hmm. they came from Asia. There's a lot of Asiatic connections there yeah. if you really follow it. And uh, they think maybe Sasquatch, some of these creatures came across too. Mm-hmm. They could have evolved in a different place. And even among these populations, they talk about them being different colors. I'm sure there's going to be variations depending on oh, yeah. the lineage. You I mean, know? just like people too. I mean, yeah, we're all saying. different people. Maybe they're and- different. If, and if they're any human at all, there's going to be variations. And, and that's the other thing. You know, are do they have any human in them? Because a lot of people, and we've said this many times, a lot of people believe they are associated with UFOs. Yeah, now that's Sas- all other story, right? The Sasquatch community again doesn't want to say no, that. There's a big argument, and the there. UFO community doesn't want to. That say will that. start you a very big vicious argument because yeah. some people just want to believe in the UFOs. Some people just want to believe in Sasquatch. And then just people want to believe Sasquatch is associated with the UFOs, and nobody right. wants to talk to them. Yeah, those are the. And some the, people just feel like you got to follow the you follow the clues and everything wherever they go. You can't have a preconception of what the answer is going to be when you're looking at clues. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, even well, even these things are a mass of clues. We're just trying to follow the clues. Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't have a um, a preconception or no, you know, anything like that when you're looking at this now or anything really. So. The earliest sightings, um, I actually was very happy because when we talked this week, I had a couple of uh, sightings that Don wasn't aware of at the time. And I always feel proud when I bring that stuff up. It shows that I'm doing my job. Yeah, this is a, a subject where there's just so much. Yeah. Yeah, and everybody has different versions of it. You have different... uh you know, you have different uh, conceptions of what it is, and then there's you have all kinds of cultural differences too. So, well, the earliest sighting that I was able to find was in the year 326 BC. It was in all the papers. <laughs> I got a notification of that. 326 <laughs> BC, when Alexander the Great mm-hmm. conquered the area, and he told the people. He goes, now I want to see the Yeti. So apparently, even prior to 326 B.C., the stories of this Yeti were out there. And after a long time, he never did get to see it. And the people told him, the reason you can't see it is because the Yeti does not come down this low. Yeah, They don't survive in this area. They're up in, like you said, that alpine region and above. Well, they know where they're And they don't come down. It's a matter of your safe safe place, too. Right. So apparently Alexander the Great and there were stories. There were stories no. hundreds, hundreds of hundreds of uh, years before that. There were stories you could find all kinds of Tibetan scrolls and things like that. Yeah. And pictures of them, you know. Although that's interpretive because you have to realize too the uh, 
the original orig- religion of Tibet was not Buddhism. It was a religion called Bon, B-O-N. Okay. And it was a lot of uh, elementals and demonic figures involved. Oh, okay. Kind of like the they worship and almost like the the American Indians, the, yeah, the American well, Native sim- Americans. Well, they, believe me, there's more similarities yeah. there than you think. But what happened was uh, a Buddhist arrived there, a holy man, and converted these these demons and beasts to Buddhism. Okay, and they became protectors. That's why when you look and you see all these like demonic type faces and all their drawings and things like that, those mm-hmm. are like their protectors that they were converted from another religion. Kind of like... Um, like gargoyles. I was just going to say gargoyles. When they put yeah. them on buildings, they were yeah. almost kind of like protectors, mm-hmm. as creepy as they are. That's, that's a very intense uh, religious experience up there, and I, that's a whole other thing. Mm. But they... So Alexander the Great in 326 B.C., um, and then, Don, you have a whole list of... Oh, I have some. Oh, the other thing about Alexander the Great, too, you have to realize, is he, that's where he stopped. When he got to Afghanistan yes. and that area, that's when he stopped. It was enough, and he started, you know, he was done. Why did he, he was young when he stopped, too. Yeah, he was Wasn't very, he only like 35 yeah, or something Yeah, he was like very that? young. He was very young. Um, his father uh, was, the, I think it was his father who invented the thing called the, uh, the phalanx, where you would march and you could protect the guy next to you. It's like oh, you, you yeah. see in the 300, mm-hmm. Spartan. he invented that tactic. Oh, okay. And they just went with it. Ooh, Robin, I invented that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, give us some of the sightings that, you know, uh, coming up through the years or the early ones up okay. to the earliest ones that you have. Well, you have this here. I'll just give you these quick. Yeah, I, yeah. Rather than just examine them, we'll go through yeah, a few exactly. of them. And, uh, you know, just gives you a wide range of how long this has been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man named Lawrence Waddell came across large footprints in 1889 at an elevation of 17,000 feet in northeastern Sikkim State, India. His Tibetan guide said they were made by wild men. But Waddell thought there were bear tracks, which often are confused. Now, wait, is, if he found them in India, how is that part of the Himalayan range? Does yeah, it go through yeah, India? India goes right up to that. Oh, okay, I that's didn't know that. That's part of it. India goes right up to that, you know, because that's how the Dalai Lama escaped from Tibet. He went to India. Ah, okay. You know, and uh, you got to realize uh, Buddha was Indian, was an Indian man. Yeah, that's right. So people forget that. But there was a, there was a big connection there. That, that area is very connected. So that was 1889. Yeah. Okay. And here's a weird one. In 1917, a female Yeti captured a boy from Kironia village near Dading, Nepal. According to a story told 60 years later, their descendants are still said to live there. You know? Now, he was abducted. Did they ever return him? He no, just disappeared. Well, apparently, they, you know, they said their, their descendants still live there, so I don't know. They must have connected somehow. That's wow. all I have there. That's wow. all they said. Then they have, they're mainly tracks. Like September 22nd, 1921, Charles Howard Burry encountered gigantic human-like tracks at an altitude of 20,000 feet in Tibet. Another photographer in 1925 named Tom Bozzi. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd order. I love the Tom Bozzi. Ava calzone and Talboni. It's uh, like we used to say in, uh, I have the Zufri on toast. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're taking me back to my old neighborhood. Tambazi got a brief glimpse of a naked human figure walking upright at an altitude of 15,000 feet near the Zimu Glacier in India. Now, don't be a naked guy walking around 15,000 feet. On a glacier. Yeah. And and if he was, you wouldn't be able to tell what his uh, sex was because they'd all be uh, gone. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) This is just, you know... And it goes on and on and on. 1949, a man named Mingma, which I love. That's right up there with Lucky Mingma. Mingma. Of Pangboshe, Nepal, was tending his yaks in 1949. He heard a Yeti yelling, 
and he hid in a stone hut, and he looked through the cracks. He saw it walking around, but he, then he went out and scared it away with some fire. I mean, these are – now, you think that wow. guy didn't know – you think that guy thought that was a bear? No. No, Although I there, don't. there are a lot of him laying bears. There are a lot of bears wandering around. They leave tracks, and bears tend to walk on top of their other tracks, so it looks like two feet. Okay, so if I'm there yeah, and it's a bear – can I say mistakenly say it's a yeti? Yes, because I don't know. Oh yeah, if it's standing my, up, it's you know, dark or crap something. From yeah, yeah. And they believe it. So, but these people who the, see the bears, yeah. they see everything that's there. Yeah, we say this all the time. Believe the people who know. Yeah. And these are just stories that go on and on. You got the, you know, you got the, here you go. Eric Shipton, Sen Tenzing, and Michael Ward of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition. Came across a mile long, uh, mile long tracks footprints at nineteen thousand feet, yeah, November eighth, nineteen fifty one. They have a date. They took figure, okay. figures, photographs of the trail, and the tracks next to an ice axe appeared in newspapers around the world. Footprint was thirteen inches long, eight inches wide, enormous big toe, second toe, and three smaller toes. As they said they had later they made it up, but who knows? It's a famous picture. You see, mm. one big toe, three little toes, and one little divergent toe. Now, now this all, see, this is how I think it's real complicated. You know, some people like, did this happen? Did it not happen? Did they change their mind? But, you know, a lot of times when people later say they made it up, it could be because they've been under such intense ridicule. Yeah, yeah. Because they say, hey, we better jump out of well, this. Well, this was a reconnaissance expedition, and so evidently somebody funded it. So you know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, you don't have anything. That's all you got was you made that up to make us feel good about spending the money. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, that's. Hmm. You know they had. You know they had 1954. You had people looking around. They came across stuff, and it just goes on and on and on. I'm not even going to go through the whole list. Well, to me, the the to me one of the most famous ones is when Sir Edmund Hillary actually saw the. Um, the footprints. Yeah. And took pictures of the footprints. Yeah, he went back a couple times too. Um, but the, when you talk about Sir Edmund Hillary, um, to me, to me, the way it is, is that this is a very accomplished explorer. Oh, yeah, someone who's so... And, and like I always like to do is I always like to mention the other guy there, Tenzing Norgay. Who was his guy, the Sherpa guy who went up there with him? It's like it's like it's like how you hear about Neil Armstrong, but they forget to mention Buzz Aldrin. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, always. Um, but the thing is, would he make that up? W- I don't. He doesn't Sir have Edmund- to. You're the first man to climb Mount Everest. Why would you make up a story about Yeti for attention? I mean, this is a guy that when you go to buy outdoor gear. It's the Sir Edmund Hillary line. Yeah, he obviously... You think he's making up stories of seeing things out there? Yeah, obviously he was there. He saw something. And he obviously listened to the people that were with him, the people that lived there and their legends and everything. And he, you know, assumed that this was... He found something. Yeah. Yeah, it just... I don't know. People have have been fooled, too, because people have said, look at those lines of tracks on the snow. Nobody went out there on that hill. Why the thing... And sometimes it turns out to be just snow rolling, like a, a fall off a cliff and a fall and get yeah. bigger, and it just comes down and looks like a line of footprints. Yeah. It, yeah. But you until you get close to it. Right. And then when you get close, you can see yeah. what the heck is it. Um, that's odd. That's, that's, I mean, listen, I don't believe in everything. I would like to believe in a lot of stuff. I don't believe in everything, but when people who are 
people who know right. see things, I have a tendency to believe the story a yeah. little bit more. Like now in 2000, I think it was 2017 or 18, Josh Gates from Expedition X. Oh, yeah, yeah, had, too, yeah. Um, Destination Truth. He found what he called were Yeti footprints in the Himalayas. Now, I really like Josh Gates. Oh, yeah. And I think he does. I think he's pretty fair. I think he's very fair. But if you told me he did that to really bolster the show. He doesn't have to. He really doesn't have to. I would understand your argument. But he doesn't have to. That show gets its ratings. No, he, he's not. You know gonna, whether he does that he or not. He goes in and he, he has several shows, and they're they're fairly. They usually have a skeptical outlook and a believer outlook, and they, yeah. they put it together, and then you have to figure it out. Many times, the truth is somewhere in between. You know, Always. Josh Gates is an interesting guy. I found out a little bit about him. His father was a deep sea salvage diver. Yes, which I didn't know, and he traveled with him around the world for years. Josh Gates was a was a certified scuba diver, deep sea diver, when he was like ten, yeah. or twelve, or something. So. That explains why he's always comfortable in the world. I read his book, and um, it's really crazy. Oh, really? I didn't know like that. he said, he he majored in college in um, you know like um, we had archaeology, archaeology. Yeah. and he goes, and there's not really many places you can go with that right. degree unless right, you're gonna. Right. And uh, apparently, he was pretty much at the end of his financial um, rope when he got the call to do the original Destination Truth. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really taken off for him. I, I really like the guy. That's, uh, well, hopefully uh, Rich Carucci gets the same break. That w- <laughs> I would love to be able to turn on the Travel Channel I see Rich and see Rich Carucci. I would, I would watch it every day. Uh, every, I would watch repeats. I would not be able to get enough I'm very amused by Rich. of Rich Carucci. And he's, you know, he, people underestimate him sometimes. He's a very clever guy. He is. He really is. And he's, he's got some history there. He's done some things. Now, so besides the sightings and um, of the, I mean, a couple of groups of people who were actually in the Himalayas say they actually saw on far off ridges a, what they called a creature because they said no man could be there doing it. Maybe it was Frankenstein. Trying to find uh, Uh, something, you know, (laughs) but walking along the ridge, I mean, those things, I mean... What could be walking along a ridge? Now, again, in that case, maybe it is one of those bears. Yeah. Maybe. But, you know, again, these people are used to those mountains. They know what they see. If it was me, yeah, I could mistake well, a, a whatever, a butterfly for a bat. I well, don't know. Look at this. It's very interesting how you have the same kind of reaction that uh, they get, that uh, Native Americans get here talking about Sasquatch and their mystical a connection with it and all that. People kind of poo-poo them. They don't know what they're looking at. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. almost it's almost like a uh, a subtle racism to it, too. Like, those liberal people say, well, they don't know what they're looking at. Well, why don't you sit and talk to them? Right. And I assume, right. I would assume, I don't know, that if you're going up there and you're seeing things on rigid, that you would have some form of binoculars or telescope with you to check oh, yeah. things out. You'd want to see what it is, you know? Sure. Yeah. And they could be so far away that even binoculars just make it a... Yeah. Uh, I, I told I told you that story about Marty Allman, who I'm going to see next week. Is a friend a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a veteran, you know. And he uh, told me a story about when he was in Vietnam. He was uh, had his rifle, like these M14s are very good, and he had a scope on it. And he saw something moving up along the ridge, like movement. So he's looking to see what it is. You know, you don't know, right? And he's looking through the scope, and then he sees like orange and black. He was looking at a tiger walking along. Oh. 
like it was up on the ridge on the hill, but they were there. But I'm saying, but he picked it out. He saw it. You see movement. And yeah. then you, the first thing you notice, your mind notices is movement. Yeah. And then you look, you see shape. Then you see density and color. You know what I mean? But usually it, you picked up the motion first. So if they saw something up there, it was moving. Because it was like yeah. something standing on the top of a mountain would just look like an artifact. Right. Exactly. It's just, it's, well, well, now that you mentioned artifact, I'm going to mention another word, relic. Relic. Now, a relic is an object that's esteemed and venerated yes. because of its association with a saint or a martyr. That's the official definition. Yeah. But, Don, over there, they have a lot of Bigfoot relics. Yeah, some of them are, 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 some of them are held, or they are held, in uh, Buddhist monasteries because they're, that's, you know, they're reverence for the area and the mystical connection of these things, because these things in some ways are regarded as protectors. Yes. And, uh, and which I said might go back to the Bond religion thing. I don't know. But some of them are very interesting. Some of them have been questioned and been proven to be fakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then some of them have been said to be uh, recreations so that people could, maybe so people could see it, but maybe they have the other one put away. Who knows? Because yeah, you have some of them just, and some of them have some very interesting stories. Like, I mean, some of them they have like fingers. Arms, well, yeah. hands. That's one feet. of the most famous ones. There was a guy uh, named Tom Slick. Mm-hmm. He was a, already. Uh, I don't like him. He was an oil man, and he had three Himala- <laughs> three Himalayan. Hey, wait, Tom Slick, and he's an oil yeah, man. Yeah. you can't make that you up. You can't make that up. And he sponsored. I didn't catch that. Ever. He sponsored three Himala- <laughs> Himalayan uh, or Himalayan expeditions. Expeditions. It's enough yes, coffee for me. It's expeditions. Almost the same as an expedition. <sighs> they were searching around in 1957. Him and a guy named Peter Byrne. And they tra- did all kinds of tracking and all kinds of stuff like that. But apparently, this guy, Byrne, went to the monastery where they had the hand. Remember the, remember yes. the Yeti hand? Mm-hmm. And he went in there, and they had the hand in the, uh, it's the Pangboshe Monastery. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he went in, and uh, he went in. They, they finally let him look at it in 1959. He went in. They said, okay, you can look at it, because he's spending a lot of time up there. And he, got the, he went in to look at it, and reportedly, he took a couple of fingers. Wait, you see, uh, stop. They keep telling him, no, you can't go in there. This is a relic. We revere this. And he, they finally give him the okay. And instead of just looking, he has to break off a couple well, of because fingers he wanted, and he wanted, yeah, it. Yeah, I know, I know. Oh, it, come it, on. It was, like, it was like the thing owed him money. Uh, it's like the ugly American. One, typical, he wasn't American. I think he was English. Oh, the ugly Brit. Yeah, well, I think they got a big look at that around the world over there. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he, I guess he wanted to get it tested, but they wouldn't let him take it out. So he right. broke a couple of fingers off, and he replaced them with human figures, fingers somehow. Wait a minute. I don't so know. So his plan, he went in with human fingers yeah. in his pocket. Wow. So they let you in, and you, Taxi? Give, you let them in, and you give them the <laughs> finger. That doesn't seem right. So, But he wanted to get it out. Now, how does he get it out of there? Because he wants to get it back to England to have it tested. Okay? Okay, so... So his problem wasn't getting it out of the monastery. It was getting it out of Nepal to get to England. Right. Okay. So, because a lot of customs and things uh, like that. So somebody comes You have anything to declare? So, yes, yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> batshit nuts. Uh, yeah, so he, they figured there's somebody who can help you get this thing out, they told him. It could be arranged. He goes to meet with this person in a hotel. It turns out to be Jimmy Stewart, the actor. Jim, 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 Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> you got that hand there, but so anyway, he... That uh, was after It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Finger. It's a Wonderful Yeti. <laughs> uh, he, uh, so he got it out. Him and his wife smuggled it out of India. Jeez. 
how they did it was they put the fingers in her lingerie uh, case or something like that. And the Indians didn't want they, We couldn't go through the women's thing, you know. They're very respectful. Especially Jimmy Stewart. I'm sure he pulled some strings. If that was the U.S., they would have said, what's in that bag? It's my lingerie. Then, Open then, the bag. Then they sent it up. Yeah, really. <laughs> and may I look at it for a while? <laughs> they, uh, But they got it back to London, and it was examined. It was examined by primatologist Osmond Hill. You got Osmond Hill there? Okay. You gave me the note. Come on, go along with it. <laughs> he felt it was human. Yeah. At first. But then he later considered, and he said it was very Neanderthal-like. Okay. Which, you know, once again, opens more questions yeah. than you could possibly answer. And another guy, zoologist Charles Leone, was baffled. And uh, he, a lot of them, and like him too, felt it was some sort of ape. Yeah. Now, that, that does away with the bear thing, doesn't it? It does. I mean, Here's my no question, though. There. Are apes known to be, like, in that cold no. of an environment? No, there are no apes there. Right. That's, you know, that's the other thing. There are no apes. They showed them pictures. They showed some of the Sherpas and, and the Nepalese pictures of different animals. Okay. That they had never seen. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so go through these and see if there's anything that looks like what you saw. The one thing they picked was a gorilla. Ah. They said it looks mostly like that. But there's no gorillas up there. They, no. they didn't see them. So how would they? So in other words, they're saying this is what it looks like. So that's not a bear. No. Then the, again, they know what a bear looks like. Yeah, there's bears all over the place up there. You have bears. You have snow leopards. You have, there's animals up there. Yak. You know. Yak. That's my favorite. And, and he checked the, Hillary, your boy Hillary there, mm-hmm. checked the hand in 1960, thought it was human and ape. Like a mixture. Yeah. But they said he was probably looking at the hand that had the human fingers replaced. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they said so, that that's, so probably what, that's probably what he was looking at. <laughs> and uh, they said the hand is currently missing. To me, the only way we're really going to get an answer hmm. is to give all these monks GoPro cameras. There you go. And have them wear it so wherever they go, they're filming. Yeah. And then when they see the Yeti, because apparently they see the Yeti and have, like, no problem with it, like, and they don't want people to come and take it because right. they kind of respect it well, so much. Well, that's why sometimes they say some of these are replacements. Yeah. But they want to keep the, uh, they want to keep the feeling around and that they have that. Yeah. The, the problem that hurt them was the ones with the scalps. They had sc- Yeti scalps. Were they fake? Yeah, know. well, th- that's the story. They said they replaced, but the one they had at the Pongboche, uh, Pongboche, Pongboche uh, monastery, monastery. Uh, they measured like the skull portion itself is like seven and a half inches tall, nine three quarters long, six and three quarters wide, and the circumference at the base is seventeen and a half inches. That's huge. Yeah, they said they looked at a sagittal crash, blackened skin. The skin was like brittle leather, but they. Uh, they looked at it later, and they said it was fake. It was a uh, a goat, like a mountain goat skin. Really? But wow. they but they said they replaced it, the other one. It was it was one they made a figure of it to show people, but it wasn't really the original. It one. wasn't. Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Why then another monastery in Nepal, the Kamjung Monastery in Nepal, uh, it was roughly the same thing. It was a female. They said. And uh, they tested that one, and Hillary borrowed it, went to the Field Museum in Chicago, and they said it was a uh, Sarak, which is a Himalayan goat. Ah. So somebody, that's what hurts. You know, they have different ones. They went to another one, the Namche Bazaar Monastery in Nepal. That had a fake. 
There's money, mm. money. Yeah, there's there's another one. They I, had uh, a monastery said they had a yeti arm. It turned out to be the paw and forearm of a snow leopard. I mean, I don't know. They had to know that wasn't really. Uh, well, I was going to say, if if they're putting fakes in there, that's don't strange. they realize that they're blowing their case? But here's the thing. Well, they didn't they realize they didn't check. Yeah, they didn't. Right. They, they they never figured anybody would check it. Right. And the other thing is too, they don't care. We don't, don't we don't care. We're not looking for they're notoriety. Never gonna, they're never going to come here and be questioned. No, and, and they don't – if you believe, you believe. If you don't, you don't. They don't care. So, well, that's uh, – so that's the Yeti. That is the abominable if you've watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer where um, Yukon Cornelius kind of <laughs> controls him. And, I'm Yukon Cornelius. And he gets to uh, help him pick axe for gold and silver. But um, – yeah, so I, I mean that's it's very interesting about the Yeti. Again, you finish the episode with more questions than answers, yeah. and they're generally they avoid people once again. But there are stories of them uh, getting uh, angry at people. They'll raid your crops and your wells for water and mm. food because they eat variety of things. And it, it's also said they will drink local beer, Chang. I'm thinking, do you really want to, get, you want to get this thing drunk? I don't want to get him drunk. I'll say, up on that mountain, uh, you come up there, that Hillary can the, kiss my ass. You know. The only time I've ever seen videos of angry yetis was when I'm watching Lance Henriksen bad B-movies, like I titled, the, I like him too, but he's in all those movies. He's in great Revenge ones. Revenge of the Yeti. He's in great ones, and he's... Uh, in crappy ones. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, because... He, Remember that show he was in, The Millennium? Oh, I just rewatched that, that recently. Did you recently watch it? It yeah. was a good show. Yeah. Uh, but then 2000 hit, and they said, what are we going to do? It creeped everybody out, too. It was really, really creepy. It was good. It was. Lance Henriksen, was, I mean, he was a guy who grew up as an orphan, I think. Really? Like, he didn't really have anybody. And he said how he grew up, he had to grow up, he learned everything from watching other people. Hmm. Which explains his kind of outsider persona. Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, in Aliens. Oh, yeah. He was great. He, he did a lot of really great, Near Dark, the vampire he, movie. I mean, he's, he's, he's a really imposing, he's got that kind of raw bone cowboy bad uh, guy look, you know? But he did a lot of crappy ones. That's, oh. you know, you could say that about anybody. You, you, you could. There's the king of that stuff. You get people like Michael Caine. I mean, come on. He's made some of the greatest movies you'll ever see. Does some of the greatest acting you'll ever see. And, and, then, and then he does Miss Congeniality too. Yeah. That's like I'm, I was watching some movie. It was like, uh, I don't know, the Disney movie with the, the Ten Rings, the guy with the rings, the Chinese guy. And, okay, uh, and yeah. uh, Ben Kingsley is in it, playing some yes. wacko guy. <laughs> I'm going, hey, ladies and gentlemen, the man won, a, the man won an Oscar for Gandhi. <laughs> You know, it's like, don't, it's a business. you got to work. Make so How many bad gigs money. have we taken over the Oh, years? my God. I can't even begin to. I mean, really, I'm going from, like, the Borgata one weekend to a firehouse in the middle of nowhere the next weekend. Well, it was like that story I told. I did the, um, I did the Hard Rock, uh, yeah. opening weekend at the Hard Rock. And then the next Friday night, I was at the VFW Hall in Fords. And when I was... I, I did the set. Everything seemed to go good. And some guy says to me at the end, he goes, you know how I that bit you do? And he named one of my bits. He goes, you know how I would change that? Oh, thank you. And I actually said to him, and I've never done this to someone who's talked to me because I hate when comics act like tool bags. Yeah. And when he said that, I said to him, listen, bro, I appreciate the input. I've done Vegas. I just did the Hard Rock last week, and you're going to tell me how to rewrite a, a spot I do? Mm. So do me a favor. 
go have a beer. Yeah, everybody watches a movie or two and they're an expert in something. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you, people, I tell people, you have no idea. You can think you've seen movies, you talk to comedians. You have no idea what that world is like. That no. is a separate world. Nope. It has its own existence. You get, there's a very rough outline of rules. <laughs> and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of issues. But it's fascinating but horrifying at the same time. So I like to think now that we are the Lance Hendricksons of the comedy world. Hey, you know what happened? Let me just do this real quick. One of the last times I was at the Borgata, I was working with a very funny guy, uh, Basil. That guy, Basil. Mm -hmm. Very funny guy, nice guy. He comes from the back of the audience. He goes up on these risers. They put steps up to the stage, which is normally pretty high. Mm -hmm. That was like a 1,000 people or something. So I go out, I'm open, I'm doing my my set, going on five times. All of a sudden, I see some guy get up, and he's walking towards, towards me. And I'm looking. And he's, it wasn't big. No, no, no. Does anyone no. want literature? This, this guy's coming up the stairs onto the stage. I look down. He's got tattoos. He's got piercings all over the place. I'm like, does anybody know this guy? And I'm still talking. He just comes up and stands next to me. He's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I looked at you and I said, uh, you see him too, right? <laughs> and he goes, and they go, and I, I look at him. I go, you're not supposed to be here for six months. That was the agreement for myself. <laughs> so I, we're talking and I'm laughing. So I'm going on for like another five, ten minutes with this guy. The audience is laughing. Finally, they come out and get the guy. They said it was it, it was going so well. We thought it was part of the act. Oh. I mean, and no, it, it turns out the guy who was wasted was the lead singer of Incubus. He was there that week. He was all. Holy <laughs> he crap. wanted to tell me. He wanted to tell me how funny I was and what a great job I was doing. <laughs> I'm like, if I know, I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget. Yeah, uh, exactly. Whatever. But his I mean, name but is. I look up and I'm like, okay, that's what I'm like. you can see him too, right? Listen, I'm not going to look it up. If any of our fans know who the lead singer of Incubus is, no, I can't remember. Send us a, uh, but that, send us an email just like, with that. What, like, uh, anybody watching this? Uh... Well, uh, before we go, I just want to mention again, I know you, you heard um, a couple of calls we've had recently, and the best way to send those calls is to record them and send them uh, using email. That's really the best way. Uh, if you if you know a way to message it to the Wizards of Odd um, on Facebook, you can do that. But honestly, uh, that is the best way. Um, Google Voice and all is pretty sketchy, so I would really really appreciate that. Uh, Philip Juleson has it down to a science. He has sent yeah, thanks, us a bunch thanks, of stuff. That's interesting. Um, you know the legend of uh, crybaby holler. Yeah, many his times, story. That's how you hear these things. You got to hear from yeah. local people. They'll tell you about it. And people go really, and then it might be something else. You he's, don't know. He's got another story. He told me the other night. Um, we were talking, and I'm going to bring that up on a on a show when it's kind of when it fits in. But um, but that's it. So I uh, I hope you enjoyed listening about the I Yeti do. and who, who what did we talk about in the beginning? Oh, the Eagles. The Eagles. I, I don't know. You started that one. I'm not getting blamed for that. That was bad. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, um, please like and review the show. We appreciate it. We will see you soon and enjoy the football playoffs.